I did just race out to the toilet during announcements, so I was kind of busted then. There's a lot of pressure to come and speak and inspire because it's called inspire. They don't do that to me on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, but it is a joy and a privilege to share with you today. I don't get here as often as I would like to, but many of your faces are familiar. And if I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you after the service today. Come and say hi. We're going to read from Luke chapter 11 today. Jesus and his disciples um, are kind of gathered around. They've been watching Jesus. And in this particular chapter, Luke records um, what takes place when the disciples say to Jesus, teach us to pray. And many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, which opens this chapter, chapter 11. But Jesus goes on from there after teaching them the Lord's Prayer and follows with this parable. We're going to look at this parable today. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity or impudence, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's bow in prayer. Thank you for your word, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege it is to gather together and, and dig in to your word to us today. And we ask for your Holy Spirit right now to be with us, to open our hearts, to receive what you have to share with us. Teach us, Lord, more of your heart for prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you familiar with that story, with that passage? Jesus told parables by sharing everyday stories that help us to relate to kingdom principles and meanings. This parable is often referred to as the friend at midnight. I'm not sure if you have had too many middle of the night interruptions lately, but we get them frequently in our house. We have a little white dog called Shelby who goes absolutely crazy in storms. 
She has some kind of sixth sense for barometric pressure changes. And she is able to sense storms coming well before any of us can see or hear them. We know a storm must be on its way when we hear this pathetic whimpering and jumping up at the door. And it starts way before we have any sense of thunder and lightning around. It is inconvenient when it storms during the day, but in the middle of the night, it is next level annoying, let me tell you. We have tried to ignore her, but she just won't settle down. Reluctantly, usually my husband or I will have to get up and sit with Shelby in the middle of the night through the storm to soothe her racing heart and her heavy breathing until that storm goes away. The things no one told me before I got a dog. And I think it is quite ironic that people would have named this the parable of the friend at midnight because midnight interruptions don't feel very friendly, do they? What is Jesus trying to teach us about prayer from this story? I mean, there's a guy here who is caught in an awkward situation. He has a guest turn up and he has nothing to offer him. That goes totally against Middle Eastern culture of hospitality. He would be considered a very poor host if he couldn't offer his guest some food. But he didn't have anything, not even a packet of Arnott's biscuits in the back of the cupboard. And he thought of his neighbor in that moment. Surely he would have something I could give to my guest. He doesn't seem to be bothered by the social awkwardness of knocking on his neighbor's door at midnight to ask for some food. But maybe for him to be seen as a poor host outweighed being an annoying neighbor. So he knocks on the door. The owner of the house inside is understandably annoyed. Look at his response here. Don't bother me. The door is locked. My children are asleep. I can't help you. But he gets up. Not because he's feeling like a good friend, but because of the impudence of the one knocking. This word is only used once in the whole Bible, right here in this parable, impudence. I had to look up the meaning of it. Impudence, according to the dictionary, means annoying persistence. Annoying persistence. My modern translation that we just read from says shameless audacity. It is the shameless audacity of this friend that gets the owner out of his bed to give him what he needs. Although it might seem appropriate in that moment to give his friend a lecture on the manners on manners or the etiquette of not disturbing people who are asleep, the middle of the night is not the time for a lecture. It is the time to help the guy out and get him on his way as quickly as possible. It might be one of those moments where you are found shaking your head or even chuckling at the absurdity of the situation. The shameless audacity of that guy is next level. 
Jesus often told parables with these surprising twists to get the listener's attention. And they were memorable stories because of these twists. And because parables are stories which give us a a hidden meaning about the kingdom of God and who God is, when we hear them, we are left to work out who is represented in this story. What is the heavenly meaning here? And I guess, especially given that Jesus has just told his disciples that they can ask their heavenly father for their daily bread, we must be the guy needing bread in this story. And God must be the guy in better sleep who we are annoying at some inconvenient time saying, don't bother me. Speaker and author David Platt put it this way. He says, so this parable must be teaching us that if you want something from God, if you just keep knocking persistently, eventually God will be so annoyed by you that he will do something just to make you go away. Is that what Luke is trying to teach us about prayer? What Jesus is trying to teach us about prayer, sorry, what Luke is recording for us? Some of you are already thinking, well, that figures as much. I guess it might be easy for us to jump to this conclusion because the reaction of the owner of the house is such a relatable human response, isn't it? If you have spent any time with someone who just keeps asking and asking and asking for something, eventually you just get worn down. Come to think of it, that's how I ended up with a dog. But this... But is this really what God is like? Is this really a picture of what praying to our heavenly Father is? If you have spent any time here at Inspire, you would know that the answer to, the, the, to that question is obviously no. This parable is phrased as a question. And scholars of the Bible call it a contrasting parable. The surprising twist here is that this might be a natural human response to an annoying request, but God is not human. Understand how different God is to us when people come to him with their requests. We can all fall into the trap of trying to fit God into our way of thinking, basing our understanding and our expectations of God on our human sinful nature. But God is not sinful. He's not evil. He is our perfect heavenly Father. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He loves it every time you come to him with your requests. It is his pleasure and his joy for you to pray to him for the things you need, for the things that are on your heart. This parable flows out of Jesus sharing that prayer is coming to your heavenly father and asking for your daily bread. What more simple or basic a need could we have? Jesus says, come to him every day and ask for the things you need. He says, come to him every day and ask for forgiveness. Maybe if you're like me, you need to ask him more than once a day. 
Ask him for your help to forgive others. Ask him for his help not to be tempted. That might be a more than once a day prayer as well. Jesus follows with this story so we can be confident that our heavenly father will never be annoyed by these prayers. Our heart to seek him and ask for these things actually brings him pleasure. He is our good, good father. I recently heard some teaching by Lisa Harper on this passage and she said we can very easily feel like we are the ones on the outside of the house, the outside of the door trying to get God's attention, feeling like we are just a bother to him and he is the ever reluctant responder. But this could not be further from the truth. She said if if we want to identify with anyone in this story, We are most like the children who are asleep in his house. Think about that. The ones who are right there with the Father, with the intimate access to him day and night. The Father in the story knows exactly where his children are and what their needs are. He has already taken care of them all. They are content in this peaceful sleep beside the one who is looking after them. You don't have to bang on the door to get God's attention. You just have to whisper in the night and he will hear you. If you have received Jesus, I pray that you know what it is to be a child of God. That is a very different relationship to being an annoying friend. Jesus goes on with this how much more analogy in this contrasting parable. It was a style of writing quite common in Jewish literature. It's a picture of something lesser to describe something much greater. Jesus says here in verse 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? If they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? That is the most absurd thing that you could ever hear, isn't it? Of course not. So if we who are sinful know how to give good gifts to our children, if we wouldn't dream of doing that for our children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? Is he longing to pour out this gift to us? God is not stingy. He is not withholding good things from you. His heart is for his children to know his love, to live in his generous and abundant grace and love for them. How much more confidently and boldly can we approach our heavenly Father with any need we have? For God is so much more gracious and caring than any human. If a a human neighbor will get up in the middle of the night to grant the request of a rude friend, how much more will God grant our requests? If shameless audacity can produce a positive outcome between two people, how much more can we expect that a merciful God who loves his children will hear and respond 
to their prayers. He has invited us into a relationship where we have this intimate access to him, even in the middle of the night. He longs for us to know this, that we would feel so connected, so comfortable with him, that it's easy to share our every need, our every longing, all of our heart with him. In a way, this is bold, isn't it? You know, I, I don't feel, it does feel sometimes, sorry, like shameless audacity to come before the creator of the universe with my little needs. You know, when we're praying for a war in Ukraine, like we just did, is it really okay for me to ask God to make my printer work, to print out my sermon in the morning? But there is nothing too small and nothing too big that he can't receive and and move and act and do something about. We can have confidence that God hears our every prayer and answers them. You know, I was struck by a little boy on Sunday who was helping out at the welcome lunch. We just had a welcome morning tea after the services this week. And I walked in late Um, after chatting to people in the courtyard after the service and I was trying to kind of sneak into the back of this welcome morning tea and this little um, nine or ten year old, I don't actually know, um, about that age, a little boy named Henry, I was sort of like checking out the crowd trying to work out who I knew and who was new and um, who was there but this little nine or ten year old boy named Henry walked from the front of the room where Andrew was doing the talk, noticed me and came straight to the back And he looked up at me so sincerely and he said, welcome, it's great to have you here. Oh, bless. I thought that was so brave of this little boy and I felt so welcomed even though I've been coming to this church for 28 years. You know, I mentioned how beautiful this was to Tyrone yesterday and he said that same little boy has an incredible heart for prayer. And he'd actually been in touch with Pastor Andrew recently and asked him if Pastor Andrew could send him the prayer request of the church so he could pray. How's that for a bold request from a little boy? You know, I also heard Ty told the story then that he had this revelation of how God answers prayers and how powerful God is. Because when him and his mates were playing with a ball, it got stuck on the roof. I think this happened here at church. And Henry thought there was nothing they could do to get that ball down. So he thought, oh, well, I may as well try asking God. And apparently, as soon as he prayed to God to get his ball back, the ball came down off the roof. And he had this revelation that God hears his prayers and answers them. And he now has a passion to pray. How beautiful is that? Don't you think that's bold? Would any of us pray for the ball to come down off the roof? It's no wonder Jesus says we need to receive the kingdom of God like little children, eh? How many times do we miss the opportunity to see God at work because we decide what God will and won't do? I'm faith-filled by what God will do as he continues to teach that little boy about prayer and through him teaches us how to pray. B 
be filled with faith by these words in Scripture, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I heard another beautiful story on Sunday as I was in that welcome morning tea. It was a lady, I, I don't even know if she knows the fullness of who Jesus is yet, but I was asking her how she came to be at church and she said, oh, I haven't really come very much. But I was here the other Sunday and I was looking around and looking at everyone around me and, and I just felt so inadequate and so imperfect. She goes, I've done a lot of bad things that God wouldn't like. And I was telling God about this as she was just here in church. She said, God, I'm not perfect and I've not been a good person. How could you love someone like me? And she was telling me this story. And in that moment, and maybe it was one of you, maybe it was an angel who was visiting here that Sunday. But in that moment, a lady walked up to her and said, I just feel like God wanted me to tell you how much he loves you. She was crying as she shared that story. And then I was crying as well because I was so touched by how kind God is. Those who seek him will find him. How good is our God? We don't feel worthy of this relationship that he's called us to, but he is our incredible father and he loves it when we pour our hearts out to him. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 22. I love these words. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. We see that in baptism, don't we? Jesus, in taking our sin to the cross, has shifted our relationship with God. He is our Father in heaven who is approachable. More than that, he has drawn us into his family and he has placed his spirit in us so that we can abide, literally live in him. It doesn't get closer than that, does it, in relationship? Of course we can pour out our hearts to him. Of course we would never be bothering or annoying or not good enough. I'm so struck by the final verse in this passage. The culmination of Jesus' teaching here finishes with this. Verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. You know, I could list a hundred needs on my heart to pray for today, pretty easily, I think. And God would listen to it all, however big or small it might be. He is our gracious Father. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. 
We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. The older I get, the more I realize for my life, I just need more of Jesus. I just need more of God's spirit. I just long for more of his presence, more of his wisdom, more of his strength, more of his healing. I just want to live in and experience more of his grace, more of his power, more of his glory. I think that's why Jesus finishes with that verse. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's not going to say no to that prayer. We have a friend at midnight, better than a friend. We have an incredible heavenly Father who delights when we boldly and persistently pray to him. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, we're so aware of your presence with us here this morning. We're so grateful for what you have done for us. Thank you, Father, that we can enter into your very presence, be called your children, pour out our hearts to you, Know that you are the good, good Father who responds in love to us. Teach us to pray. Teach us another level of just knowing what that intimacy and relationship is with you, Jesus. And I pray, God, as we ask for more of your Holy Spirit, that we would be confident and faith-filled for the more of your spirit that you will pour out. Lord, fill us with more of you. May we see your power. May we see your grace. May we see, Lord, hearts turn towards you. May we see you respond to our prayers. May we, may we see this confidence, this growing faith in your people in this place to, to ask you for more, God, and to know that it's your heart to give it. Lord, we long to see more of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to stand and continue uh, to worship together now. Thank you, church. Moment that
God will satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our great God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's enjoy some fellowship and morning tea together. <laughs> 